Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? According to museum security, you were the last one to leave last night. Did you see or hear anything strange? Well, I thought I heard something as I was leaving, but it could have been anything. Sweeping teams of two. Nobody goes in alone. This place is not going to open until every room is clear. I'll go. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Any idea about a weapon? Something big. The board is hosting a gala preview here tomorrow night. It would be a disaster for us if we had to postpone. We may have somebody on our hands who makes Jeffrey Dahmer look like a Cub Scout. You have to let the gala go on. Something's wrong. Come on, what's the matter with you? Welcome back to the 36th episode of the Monster Movie Stomp Down. Of course, you got Sludge here. My co-host right across from me he is Mark. And unfortunately, it's just us tonight. Ruben has come down not feeling good. So we've been praying for him because, in Jesus' name, it's not COVID. Amen. If it is, then he'll just kick its butt. So it's Ruben. Exactly. He's, t- he's from Texas, man. That's what they do. Um, so Ruben's not with us tonight. Uh, I know, Mark, you weren't here for the Godzilla one because of work issues. No, moving. I was issues. moving. Moving yeah, issues. Moving. Um, so he's, you know, Mark's back, but of course we're down one again. But uh, Ruben will be back for the next Godzilla film. Ruben and RJ uh, will be. But tonight, man, I'm excited. Like, and I've got Ruben's stomp down rating. He made sure to give me this. Then I've got notes of Ruben's that he wanted to make sure were said. And I told him we would definitely make sure and get his stuff put in here for the film. Um, but this is one of my favorite monster movies of all time. This is the 1997 film, The Relic by Peter Himes. Um, super stoked about this one, especially because it's, it's Peter Himes. Like Peter Himes has got a track record. Like most people wouldn't. The first movie that I remember seeing about Peter Himes, for those who don't know who Peter Himes is, is uh, 2010. Do you know he did that one? Sequel to I, I did not, great movie. Great, great movie. movie. So he did that. He did 
course, he's done a lot of lower budget films, but he did like Time Cop, the last good John Claude Van Damme movie. Actually, no, Sudden Death was. I liked Sudden Death, but he did both of those with Van Damme. He did End of Days with Schwarzenegger. I liked um, it too. Some he did A Sound did. of Thunder. I don't know if you've watched that. 2004 ish, 2005, I think. Yeah, 2005. Days of Thunder, yes, Sound of Thunder, no. The Sound of Thunder's good. Sound of Thunder is actually a Ray Bradbury story um, that was made the film, and it's awesome it is so so that's good. one i need to check out probably oh definitely and then he did uh the musketeer which is a great movie so i mean he's got uh he's got a good long line of really really good movies there's another classic movie i'm trying to think of what that he did I'm, I'm honestly having to look it up folks for once let's just want to look something up i'm trying to, capricorn one he did capricorn one i liked it that's yeah. a great movie so good director peter Himes. Capricorn on one. one that have kirk douglas in yes yes yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, so uh, directed by Peter Himes, this is based off a book called Relic by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. Um, it's actually based off, of, or is by a part of the Pendergrass series of books. I think it's up to like thirteen books, twelve books now. They just released the newest book in the series uh, that started with Relic, um, February of this year. So I mean, it's been um, very successful series based on the characters. So, uh, but a good cast in this movie. I know when it came out. Peter Himes was actually trying to get um, Harrison Ford as the main character of Lieutenant Augusta, but we got Tom Sizemore. And honestly, I'm kind of I'm okay with that. Yeah, like me too. Definitely, I, I can't see Harrison's a great actor, but I can't see Harrison playing this character very well. Yeah, um, not not his cup of tea. Uh, but so, anyways, the movie uh, uh, just real quickly run down because because we're going to break into the book too because I'm a huge fan of the book. Um, uh, is there's a uh, anthropologist named John Whitney who works for the Chicago Museum of Natural History. He is down in Brazil studying um, ancient tribal rituals of old Amazon tribes. And he, when you see him at the beginning of the movie, he's photographing this ritual, and you got these tr Amazonian tribe people around this brew. They're like boiling some liquid, and they're putting these leaves in this liquid. And they take a bowl, and they give it to, to John, and he drinks from it. What John doesn't know is, is the plants that they've put in this to make this tea um, is infected with a virus. That virus begins to mutate John. Um, and next thing we see is, is he's packed up a bunch of things from the Amazon to go back to the um, uh, Chicago Museum. He's at the docks. He's trying to get to his crates. They won't get his crates off. He's making a big deal about it, so he sneaks onto the ship, finds a bunch of crates, uh, labeled for Chicago, opens them up, and they're not what he packed. They're actually rugs from some other company, and he just starts screaming. And uh, come to find out that the crates don't make it on board the ship. They're actually outside the ship, which kind of sucks, because if you look in the movie, it's not far from where he was standing, where his, where his crates were. And I'm like, oh, dude, that sucks. If you just looked around, you'd be like, oh, there they are. Um, but so he's stuck on this ship that goes up to Chicago to the uh, Museum of Natural History. Six months goes by, and the ship has just kind of washed ashore and everybody on the ship, all the crew have been killed. They can't find any new bodies. And we get introduced to the character played by Tom Sizemore of Lieutenant Degusta. He's the homicide detective um, checking out the case. They can't find any bodies and they're trying to figure it out. Him and his partner um, or his understudy more to say, um, uh, Lieutenant, uh, um, Oh gosh, I forgot his name. Cause I just got done reading the book. Um, or Detective Hollingsworth, Hollingsworth, yeah. um, are scouring the ship, trying to find um, what's going on, talking about you know what what could possibly have happened. Think it's a drug bust. They came on, killed everybody on board. 
got what they needed and left. Well, then they ended up smelling something and opened up the um, car, the the drainage bay on this cargo ship, and there's all the bodies, all beheaded, a few heads floating in there, just a complete massacre. Everybody on the ship's been killed and put in the bulge. And then it sh- jumps right over to the Museum of National History a f- few weeks later. Um, and um, we meet Dr. Margot Green, played by Penelope and Cruz. Um, she, and we actually quickly meet Linda Hunt, who plays uh, Dr. Cuthbert, who is the curator of the museum. Uh, we then meet um, Dr. Greg Lee, not long after that, who's played by Chi Mao Lo, who people might recognize from Mortal Kombat. He was um, Liu Kang's little brother that gets killed. Um, in the movie, so you see him. He doesn't have any, you know, huge, huge roles, but he's the um, annoying character in this movie. Doctor Lee is because you want to hate him, and when he finally dies, you're really happy about it because um, he just annoys everybody. Um, and then, of course, we meet the amazing Doctor Frock, who's played by James Whitmore, who does a phenomenal job in the movie, and um, kind of get to the feel of just to the characters. Doctor Green, she's a evolutionary biologist, as she puts it, trying to explain to some kids that are there on a school trip trying to figure out where our tails went. And uh, so we meet a few of the characters, and it gets the, the scene set there in the um, museum. They're actually in the process of fixing to kick off a big new um, exhibit called Superstition, which breaks down different superstitious rituals and beliefs all across the world and across time. And so they're setting up for this big, huge gala event where they're going to have tens of thousands of people, including the mayor and all the rich people of Chicago here. So it's a big, big event. Dr. Green, of course, is um, trying to get a grant through this event for her program, what she does there at the museum. And they kind of go about their way and then close up shop for the night. And one of the security guards, um, who's uh, a character that we'll talk about here in just a moment, goes into the bathroom during his little trail, walking through the, sh- you know, doing his shift runs, make sure everything's locked up, to smoke a joint in the bathroom. When he goes to smoke a joint in the bathroom, the door opens and he thinks it's one of his partners. Nope. All of a sudden, this massive claw comes out from underneath the stall, rips him underneath, and he is just ripped to shreds. Head removed, brain taken out, just <laughs> Ug- annihilated. Ugliness, ugliness. Um, so then Degusta is called in to um, investigate this murder. They, they want to close down the museum and uh, to be able to find out what's going on because they think that there's a serial killer here that could possibly be still be in the building and... Uh, it just ensues from there. So and to make a note, D'Augusta um, is highly superstitious. Yes. Oh, yes. And superstitious. So, yes. So yeah. he's not liking any of this. No, not not at all. <laughs> Actually, when he's in the bathroom, uh, Hollingsworth goes to step over the body, and he's like, "What? Are you, no, 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 no. It's bad luck. You know, or when he's talking to Margot Green, Dr. Margot, um, she goes to pick up a penny off the ground, and he's like, oh, is it face up or face down? She's like, face down. Uh, don't touch it. It's bad yeah. luck. And he's always carrying this bullet with him, which yes. he explains later in the movie. Juan, uh, his first you know tour is on the uh, on the beat as a beat cop. Um, he sees somebody who he thinks has got his, locked his keys in his car, and he goes over to help. And what he doesn't realize is that the guy had just robbed a liquor store block down the street. And by the time the guy realizes, and he's just frantic trying to you know get in break into this car, he doesn't see Degusta until he's right up on top of him. And he turns around, pulls a gun out, and shoots him point blank. But the gun never fires. So he ends up, he talks about, I love some of my favorite lines of movies. She's like, so what'd you do? Dr. Margo is, he's like, well, I took the gun away from him and beat the crap out of him with it. <laughs> you know, and uh, But they did the forensic test, and the bullet's perfect, never fired. 
Um, and she's like, well, maybe that's just an explanation of, fi- of good physics. And he goes, or just good fashion, old luck, or oh, good old fashioned good luck. Yes. So he's very, very superstitious, um, which plays great in this with the superstition um, exhibit and then the super superstitious stuff that's kind of behind this creature. Um, so the creature has made it from the Amazon, from John Whit- Whitney has turned into this creature and is at the museum and starting to kill people, eating the hypothalamus section of their brain. Um, and so they have this huge mystery trying to figure out what's going on. they got this exhibit going on. They want to close it down, or Augusta does, but thanks to um, one of the characters, the security um, guy, not Parkinson, I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, oh, I can't even think of his name. Um, but anyways, the security guy... Uh, lead security guy at the, the the museum calls the mayor, tells the mayor that they caught the murderer because two of the characters are uh, the cops that work for Augusta are expect you know looking down at the tunnels or the basement levels of the, of the museum because there's just there's miles and miles of tunnels. They come to find out that there's actual tunnels in the museum that link up back to the port where the ship was, and uh, that's how the creature has gotten to the museum undetected. Two of the cops find a homeless guy down there shoot him he's massive he's like almost seven foot tall he's got an axe um he matches the description of these two little boys that had seen him um he's even got uh, like a necklace from one of the victims from the boat i think it's called the santos morales um that we find at the beginning of the movie where everyone's been killed and so everyone believes well this is it this is the guy but the gus is not falling for it he knows something's not right um and uh refuses to let the gala go on but when the main character calls the mayor, the mayor says, I'm so glad you're going to let the gala go on. And so he has no choice. So he ends up deciding to lock off everything but the exhibit area of the museum to let this go on. And unfortunately, it all goes to crap because the beast, known as the Cathoga in this movie, uh, starts to wreak havoc, starts killing, kills several officers, several people, kills Greg Lee, which is great. I love that scene. <laughs> um, and then they end up having to try and rescue the mayor and about 30 other people. Um, down through the basement levels of the museum, through the tunnels to get them out across the street because the entire museum has been locked down by steel doors. Um, and the creature starts to ensue, pursue them down there. So it's up to Gusta and Margot to figure out who this or what this creature is, get down there, save those people, kill this creature in the process. Great movie. Margot ends up blowing it to flames in the film. Um, and just a super fun, super great Monster in the Dark movie. And one of the things I loved about this movie is the fact they did it really much, because it gets a lot of alien comp- comparisons, because you don't really see the creature until the like the last third of the, or the, the last third of the film, you know what I mean, th- towards right, the end. Right. First two thirds, you really don't see it. So, great movie. It had a budget of about 40 million, is what I'm seeing in most places. There's been a lot of, it's weird, because most of the time I don't see this with movies, but a couple places said 60 million. One place said seventy million, but most places say forty million. And around that time frame and era, with this type of movie, forty million sounds about right. Forty to forty-eight million. Um, the, when this movie came out, um, they were actually expecting it to bomb. It came out in January nineteen ninety-seven. Um, they were actually expecting this movie to bomb completely. It was number one the first week it came out, and actually grossed a little over nine million its opening weekend, which is huge for a horror film especially in the month of January. That's not horror film season. You know what I mean? That just does you don't get those type of movies then. Right. Um, but it ended up going on to gross a little around thirty five to forty million in its theatrical run. So I mean it it 
wasn't a huge blockbuster success, but it made its money back, which makes it a success. Which surprises me that it didn't get a sequel because there was a sequel to the to the book. Uh, the sequel is called Reliquary. Um, but great movie, super fun movie. I absolutely love this movie. This uh, my wife talks about. It. You know, there's three movies that I fall asleep to if I get a chance to fall asleep to a movie, and that's Godzilla 1985, Gamera 2, Attack of Legion, or The Relic. Like. <laughs> I was, went to watch it the other night, and she's like, why are you watching this? You can quote this movie line for line. I'm like, that's very accurate. Um, so, But one of the good things about this film is that the creature effects was created by Stan Winston Studio. Before you get a little farther, you know it opened number uh, number one in its opening week. Yeah. Um, which, I, which I thought was kind of, we were talking about, it's not a, uh, January is not a horror monster movie month. No. But it, uh, it grossed. Little over nine million, and yeah. uh, and and came out number one the first week. So that's that's pretty, yeah, yeah, really good. good. Yeah. I remember. Well, we'll get in this event with a minute. But I'll not forget this, but um, but Stan Winston's crew came on and uh, did the special effects for this. They actually built three suits uh, to do the Cathoga creature in the movie, and um, uh, it was done by the uh, the Cathoga was played by Brian Steele, which a lot of people may know. Or, or know, but may not realize, Brian Steele is there. In Hollywood, he's known as the Creature Boy. And Brian Steele has been in a ton of movies. He did a great job as the cook of the goodness. He was most recently in uh, the Lost in Space TV series or series on Netflix. He was the robot. Um, he was the Bigfoot and Exists. He was um, in the Predators film with uh, Adrian Brody. He played the Berserker Predator and one of the other two. I think the Falcon Predator. Um, he was the T-600 Terminator in Terminator Salvation. He was all the major werewolves in the Underworld films. He played six different characters in Hellboy 2. He was Samuel, or Samuel in Hellboy 1. He's played different creatures in the Resident Evil movies. He was in Lady in the Water. He was the Hell Knight in Doom. He was the creatures in the cave. He was Dracula, the monster form of Dracula in Blade Trinity. Um, he was Shark Mouth in Men in Black 2. One of the aliens there, he was, uh, he, he goes back. He was actually the creature in Peter Benchley's The Creature, if anybody's ever seen that. So uh, most people are like, oh, Peter Benchley's Jaws movie was great. The book Creature was far better than Jaws, in my opinion. The movie wasn't, by any stretch of the means. But, uh, oh, what's his name? Coach. Um, that actor's name. Can't okay, think of his Yeah, uh, I know you're talking about, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, he, he, he was uh, the main character in this movie, Creature. That he did as a miniseries because when you know they did the Beast, um, Peter Benchley's the Beast did really really well, so they decided to try and do Creature. Didn't do so good, um, but he was the creature in it. He played the bear in the Edge um, with um, Anthony Hopkins, or at least during the you know attack sequence. So I mean he he was he started his career as Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, the TV series. So the dude is huge when it comes to suit acting. Harry, that was a TV series, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. I do not remember. I think we ran that. like two seasons really? or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did a show for Harry and Hendersons. It was a I great the, show. I love the movie. Uh, the oh, the movie's movie. awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, so good. Now, fantastic. Brian didn't play Harry in that. That was, um, cannot think of his name. That He passed away. Played the Predator in Predator 2. Man, he's uh, Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin Peter Hall played Harry in the movie. I just knew back in the day when I grew my beard and had my hair, you guys, comp- that I was Harry. <laughs> you, yeah, I do remember those Yeah, you were Harry from Harry and Hendersons. Yeah. Uh, a little bit shorter, but um, 
So, a lot shorter. But Stan Winston's crew came in and did a phenomenal job. They actually, de- they there was a delay in production for the film because of the special effects work and a few other things. Because when they, I can't remember, it was Chris something or, other design, or Craig something designed the suit. And what they did was, because in the book, there's not a real detailed description of the creature. Um, you made a mention to me, we were talking about earlier, about how dark this film is. Um, the book is even darker. I mean, there's you, 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 what little bit you get to see of the creature, there's not a whole lot of light. I mean, you don't really get a full on look, but what glimpses you get in the book is utterly terrifying. So they had a little bit to work with. And so they designed, I think, like 15 different designs and told Peter Himes, hey, pick which one you want. And he picked the one that we see in the film. It was his favorite. And it's a, you know, um, not a bipedal creature by any means. You know, I mean, it walks on all fours, and it's about six foot tall from the bottom of its feet to the top of its back, and fifteen feet long is how long these the, the suits are. And so Brian, and then there was another suit actor too, Vincent something or other, played the beat, played the Kathoga a little bit in the movie. Um, they had like they had to use stilts in the suit because the suit was built to be fit around them, and uh, the you know the whole big neck and head pieces were all. They were made of aluminum and plastics, but it was all mechanical and servos and controlled by puppeteers. Um, but they had these massive stilts they had to walk on, and it was super difficult um, for them to do because it was just they, – they literally said it was like a Herc- Herclu- Herculean job because it was just so hard. Um, so building the suits took a little bit of time. Another thing that happened, too, was this was location because most of this was shot at the Chicago – Museum of Natural History in Chicago. Um, the underwater, or not underwater, underground, like the tunnel shots where they're in the water and stuff because it's flooded, that was actually done in L.A. on a, on a set that they had built. Everything else was shot on location um, there in the Chicago uh, Museum. But in the book, it doesn't take place in Chicago. It takes place in New York at the New York Museum of Natural History, which is originally where they wanted to shoot the film, but the, the, the museum said no. Because in the book, there's a lot more going on than what we get in the movie. And several of the higher-up people at the museum um, are pretty greedy, covering-up bad people. Like They're not good people at all. Um, Dr. Cuthbert being one of them. Because actually, Dr. Cuthbert is Dr. Ian Cuthbert in the book. And he's part of this conspiracy that's in the book and is not, not a good person whatsoever. Um it gets changed to Dr. Ann Cuthbert, played by Linda Hunt, in the movie, and she's just absolutely lovable. You know what I mean? She's a great character. But because of the way that the museum staff is portrayed in the book and worried about filming there might scare, because they had a lot, of, a lot of kids that come to the museum, the museum in New York said no. So they had to change the script, change the location, and film this in Chicago. So because of those two major issues, it got delayed because this was supposed to come out in 96, but didn't come out till early 97. Uh, because of that, but um, <clears throat> good came out pretty strong. I mean, number one for the for the weekend first week, um, like we were stating, and which is huge uh, for any horror film, let alone one in January, because you just don't go to the movies to see a monster movie. Right. Um, but I remember when this was coming out. I remember seeing the previews around Christmas time for this, and I was like, "Dude, Dad, we got to go. You know, we got to <laughs> see this." And uh, I remember us going to the theaters when it came out. And it was just you and me. I think yes. we went for like yeah. a real late night showing. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I don't remember if it was a guy or a girl. I mean, we we went and saw it at Easttown 
mall in Knoxville. Yeah. That's Knoxville. where we went. Yeah. And uh, the whoever we bought the tickets from, I remember saying, are you sure you want to take them in there? Because there's been grown yes. adults being afraid of this. Yes. And you're like, oh, he could handle it. I'm like, yeah, I can handle it. I'm like, what? It was 97. I'm like 12 at the time. Yeah. You were good. You were and, good. Uh, and we go in, and I'm like, I can handle this movie. And because I mean it's blood, it's it's bloody. There's actually yeah. a couple scenes that were not that were deleted um, from the movie because it was deemed too bloody uh, that they end up they were afraid and it would scare the audience too much. Yeah. So they took a couple scenes out and uh, didn't get scared the whole movie. I mean I love the Cathoga. I mean let her a bit of it, but that freaking cat at the beginning of the movie <laughs> scared the crap out of me. So when when the beginning of the movie comes on, they're on the boat, the Santos Morales, Augusta, and, and Hollingsworth. And they're looking around, talking about what maybe what could happen and uh, and things. They're checking all the crates. They're running. Hollingsworth running his flashlight over these crates, and all of a sudden he goes across this little crook in between two crates, and this cat jumps out and screams and scares him. Scared me too, man. I came out my seat on that part. So nothing with the monster or the actual murder scared me, but that cat. That's why I don't like cats. I'm gonna have to take him out of the theater because a cat got him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was terrible. Um, but uh, I mean, super, super fun film. They did a phenomenal job designing the Cathoga the, in this. Now, I, I do. We, we'll state and jump into the book a little bit because there are drastic differences between the book, which was a New York Times bestseller, um, and the actual film. Uh, but the Cathoga, um, I mean, they got a mixture from uh, the head's very spider-like as far as the face and then the mouth. Um, then there's mixtures of, of course, um, alligator lion and something else i can't remember the other ones but there was, there was four creatures they really kind of combined together in the in the final design that was picked um and did a phenomenal phenomenal job uh creating this creature i, I think to me the Cathoga is one of the best looking <coughs> monsters in a, in a horror monster movie that i've ever seen just super original and just right up my alley but the book came out in 95 um is drastic, not drastic, it's pretty different. Uh, there's a lot different. The, the biggest thing being a character that was left out of the movie called Pendergrast. Pendergrast is an FBI agent that comes to work <clears throat> the case. Because in the book, when John Whitney, well, in the book his name's John Whittlesey, but of course they're like, that's too weird of a name, let's just call him Whitney. Um, he's on an expedition looking for the Cathoga. In the book, the Cathoga is actually the tribe that you see at the beginning of the movie. They're called the Cathoga, and they're believed, they're like a legendary tribe and almost don't believe to be existing anymore. Well, he believes they still exist. So that's why he's down there in the Amazon trying to find them. And the creature itself that's part of their religion is called the Mbuin, M-B-W-N. So obviously when they made the movie, they're like, we can't call this creature the Mbuin. Like, who's going to be scared of him booing so they decided just to call the creature the Cathoga um, and so there's the you know they make the whole deal with the devil which is pretty much that follows the books the Cathoga tribe did that um, and <clears throat> but it gets I mean it's pretty dark the book I mean so they go and they, they I can't remember the name of the what would be the devil in their you know religion or whatever it starts with a Z um, they're needing his help to stop their enemies or keep their enemies at bay, which pretty much falls in line with the, what they give you in the, in the movie. But what they leave out is in order to do this deal, the devil or start the Z character um, tells the Cathoga tribe in order for him to help them, they have to kill all of their children. And so they do. 
which puts that's which is what kicks this tribe into legend in the Amazon because they did this, and then he gives them what they call the son of the devil, the Imbuin, which is actually this plant that we see in the movie, the leaves. It's actually like a fiber plant in the book that is a uh, is is loaded with a virus that transforms whatever eats it and just loads the victim with reptilian DNA and starts mutating them. And that's why we get the creature John Whitney turns into the Cathoga in the movie. And in the book, same thing. But between his expedition in the Amazon and the museum incidents, when they start, in the movie it's six months. In the book it's seven years. And you've come to find out, because the reason Pendergrass comes in and is the main character other than D'Augusta, um, is when he goes to try and look for the leaves at the port in Brazil. Um, he actually does find the crates in the book um, and gets on the ship that way and is with the with the crates. But it goes from there to Louisiana, and there's a huge slew, slew of murders because the crates are then taken from there to New York while he's still in Louisiana. There's a huge slew of murders um, that happened in Louisiana where Pendergrass is stationed as an FBI agent and he investigates and can't solve because what ends up happening before he can solve it, Whitney or the Imbuin, the Cathoga monster, makes goes from Louisiana to New York to the museum. And so there's six or seven years it happens there in the book, six months in the movie. So they cut a lot of that out, um, and then especially the Pendergrass character. The Pendergrass character works hand-in-hand hand with D'Augusta, Lieutenant D'Augusta with the NYPD or the Chicago PD in the movie, um, in trying to track this killer down. And uh, you see, a, and, but they kind of combine the character for the movie. D'Augusta in the movie, is it, there's a lot of what the Pendergrass character does, D'Augusta does, a lot of parts of his, um, kind of his superstitious side comes for Pendergrass as well. And then, of course, you got all of the D'Augusta traits except for his cigar smoking. In the book, he smokes cigars. Um, and then they really kind of kept a lot of the characters the same. You see one of the, the, one of the cops, the, uh, the black cop, Bailey, who gets killed in the tunnels. Um, he's actually in the book, but the character Hollingsworth, that his detective partner in the movie, is really Bailey in the book. But Hollingsworth doesn't get killed. He leads them down through the waterways yes. and, and gets the people out. Um, Bailey, the black cop, does get killed. Well, in the book, Bailey is his partner. He leads him through the tunnels with D'Augusta because um, Pendergrass is actually up in the museum with Margot trying to stop the creature. Bailey gets killed in the book. So they kind of, you know, there's there's changes there. Um, but as far as, like, how, you know, the biggest drastic one was the Pendergrass character being gone, which is, to me, was the, when we get to the scores, is why it got the score it got for me because the character from the book is phenomenal. Like the like, it's so good. Again, we're talking about the beginning of it. There's like twelve books out now based on the. They're called the Pendergrass series, and it's and almost every book is Pendergrass and Augusta tackling some kind of you know mystery or crime, and they're phenomenal together. I just I mean I literally read the Relic again for a second time Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, we recorded. It's Thursday night here because we always pre-record yeah. these. But then I immediately got Reliquary and re- and it's done. I already read it too, like the sequel to the book, and it's so much better than than Relic. Um, and the and it's and it's really the characters. Pendergrast is a phenomenal character. So is D'Augusta. Um, but I don't think they could have picked with the way he is in the book, and how he is in the movie. Tom Sizemore was the best choice. 
absolutely best choice for the character. So, so a lot of cool stuff. But for the movie, oh, one of the things I did want to say before we talk into you know what we would like, didn't like, um, the guard. That, that dies in the yes, movie. Yes, yes. Okay, I told you this before we started yeah. recording. I'm like, hey, you've seen him before. So he's he's the first character you see die in this movie and dies in the pot, smoking the pot. Um, he actually was in another movie where he's the first person to die at the hands of the monster in the movie. Do you have any idea what it is? I'm going to... Was he in The Thing? No, he was not. Why was I... I don't know why I was thinking that. Go well, ahead. That's a great movie. He was in Jurassic Park. And he was the guard when they're unloading the raptor. Yes, that yes. R- rips him into the into the thing, kills him. <laughs> okay, that's him. Okay. Yep, got you on that it's one. Same guy. So his two roles in the movie is getting murdered by a monster first thing before yes. anybody else, and uh, does good at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, does a good yeah. good job of getting killed. Man. He's, he's a good dead man. Yeah, you you make you make death believable. We appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so super good movie, man. This movie for me is huge. Like not only because I mean, I, was this the first? Remember, was this the first horror movie you took me to see? Yes, yes. In theaters? Yes. I mean, I obviously, believe. we had seen yeah. tons of horror before, but theatrical, theatrically. Yeah, that, definitely. Most definitely was. Okay, I thought it was. I think probably... I caught a little grief over it from your mother. Pretty sure. Uh, I mean, you uh, caught grief over uh, this. You caught grief over from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, yeah. You caught grief oh, yeah. over... Um, well, getting, everything getting you hooked on Godzilla. I'm still catching grief <laughs> yeah, over that. Still got so grief I mean. over that. So you know, um, yeah. So there was there was a lot of hey, but I appreciate you taking the bull, you know, the grief because man, opened my world up to some great movies. <laughs> and um, look what we're doing now. Yeah, exactly. Ha ha, mom. <laughs> and she don't even listen to these shows. I don't think so. But so what did what did you like about the film? Well, I thought <sighs> great movie, great movie, and and, and I think it, it and it was being the first movie horror movie that I monster movie I took you to um obviously the the best movie in 97 in my opinion oh uh, yeah I mean um you just don't have I mean the the acting uh that was in it was was you know fantastic it wasn't one of those horror movies that you know uh they got to kill all the the college students and the and the 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 girls and and, and all that kind of stuff and so I mean it was uh suspenseful yeah i mean they kept you in it they did they showed you enough of the monster to keep you going i yeah. mean you know a paw here or this or that you know and so that part of it i thought was they did an excellent excellent job on it. And then when then when you finally do see the creature you're like oh my goodness, <laughs> this thing <laughs> is unbelievable yes, it is. so uh, massive uh yeah i thought tom, uh tom sizemore was fantastic uh uh, in all the characters, I mean, I just thought they were really into it. They kept you very, very into the movie. There wasn't a lull. There wasn't a down time uh, that made you want to kind of doze off or anything. It was, uh, it was very, very good and very, very, well inter- very inter- entertaining. Oh yes, from start to finish, and uh, kept you right, right into it. Um, uh, I think as far as when you when you know especially when you're going through and you're 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 adding computer graphics uh, into movies and especially around that time you know they're they're improving and improving and improving on it and so you're you're wanting to make and I know we and me and you had commented about um, talking about some of the scenes using the computer graphics I differ from you right uh, I enjoyed and and thought all of it was really believable as far as the look. Uh, 
with with the graphics. Well, side. I liked when it comes to the the because I mean, yeah, this was still in. I mean, you know, post Jurassic War, Jurassic Park by a few years. So I mean, that level of detail was still growing. Right. And, and for the most part, for most scenes in the movie, the CGI that they do use because I mean, this this suit was huge. I mean, the, the suit literally six foot tall, fifteen foot long. Oh yeah. It's yeah. massive, and the creature. I mean, and the creature looks muscular and bulky because the suit is muscular and bulky. Yes. Um, was so hard to do some of the shots that they had because this thing can move. In the yes. book, they actually talk about it can move up to thirty to forty miles per hour, um, which it doesn't move as fast in the movie, right. but <clears throat> still very fast. But a lot of scenes, yeah, I thought they were great. Like when it's when when Margot's running through the offices there towards the end. Oh yeah, and he's right behind her oh, running. Just blows just, doors. Oh yeah, oh it looks great. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, even be a CG. You know that, and even that the whole segment where he's where he's climbing up on the ceiling. He's he, you know he's got that gecko. I can you know yeah cl- uh, climb up and maybe hemidactylus turcus or whatever. That scene with that where that police officer's like pull me up, pull me up, pull me up. You know when he gets and they get him all the way there and then he gets that look on his face. Oh and yeah. You just know it. It's like, well, when they pull him up, only half of him's coming out of yeah. this thing. So uh, I just thought, uh, man, one of my favorite horror movies uh, of all time. I mean, really liked it that much. Um, oh, same here. Same uh, here. You know, and it's, and it, and I think, you know, the only down part of it is uh, obviously I wear glasses and, and the darkness of the movie made some spots difficult for me to like see see what's going on and see mm-hmm. the characters because the screen was just too dark and uh that would have been the uh, the only part that I didn't like but there wasn't enough of it that it disappointed me you know it was mm-hmm. still a fantastic movie. all the way to the end all the way you know when when she catches him <clears throat> on fire and he is chasing her oh dude and, is awesome. oh yeah yeah and I just thought Without a doubt, uh, definitely a thumbs up. Great movie. If you have never seen this movie, you've got to see this. Oh movie. yeah, there's so. there's so many, especially with with the characters. Like I love because in the book, and again, there's so many different things. Like like in the movie, spoiler alert: Doctor Frock gets killed in in the um, in the movie, and which kind of stinks and makes it's really sad because you're like, oh, that really sucks because he's ex- he's almost kind of excited about this creature because he has a theory called the Callisto effect which in the book he actually had wrote a book in the book called Fractal Evolution where he discusses it he's the guy who actually in the book they don't say in the movie who comes up with the Callisto effect or it's named after his theory that throughout um, natural selection there is a random aberrant evolution creating a short-lived species and it's, it's called the Callisto effect and this creature the Cathoga or the Embuin as it's called in the book proves that theory and he's been in the book they talk about how he gets he's a genius and like highly respected but he's also highly laughed at for the callisto effect and, and showing it dr dr green she uh, immediately puts it down uh when he's talking talking to, about the yeah, effect. yeah yep. and yeah because yeah, yeah, he talked yeah. tells uh Degusta about yes, it right um, right and yeah because even in the book she's like no you know she, yeah. she she's actually his understudy in the book and that's the one thing she disagrees with him on is that. And so in the book, he doesn't die. You know, he helps them all the way to the end. Um, the book is just, oh, my gosh. Like, the final fight in the book is very drastically different than the movie. In the movie, Margot 
the, the Kathoga is chasing Margo into the specimen room or the specimen right. area. And, of course, everything's in formaldehyde, and she makes – I actually, now that I think about it, so she gets that uh, – the powder and the, and the – Well, she takes the – pours the – the uh, liquid into a smaller jar, caps it, sticks it in another jar, and then pours the powder inside and, the bigger yeah. jar. Yeah, and yeah. uses it. And she's knocking all the bottles down and stuff. Yeah. So there's just all this flammable liquid everywhere. And she lights, you know, throws this bottle, um, this little homemade little explosion device she's made, uh, or not homemade, museum made, and blows it up and catches him on fire right. as she right. drives that elevator down. Didn't John Claude Van Damme do that in sudden death? I'm not sure. Not I'm thinking sure. he did something like that in Sun yeah, Death, or maybe that, something else. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, check something that out. I'm, like, I'm not sure. Because I'm pretty sure Peter Himes may have threw that in there, now I think about it, because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think I remember seeing Jean-Claude do that. And I think it was one of Peter Himes' Jean-Claude films yeah. that he did that same thing. Um, but anyways, um, in the in the the book, now in the book, this thing, the Cathoga rips through, like the SWAT team that comes through. You know, he kills a couple of the guys. No, he he kills the entire SWAT team. There's like 10 of them. Um, they go into the exhibit, and he just massacres them all. Pendergrass is the first one to actually shoot the creature. And with the way that this thing has evolved and its structure, its bone structure is super thick. He's got like a Colt 45, and he sees this thing in a hallway at one point, pulls the trigger, and, and Pendergrass is awesome because he keeps his cool in a lot of situations, pulls the trigger and shoots him, shoots the creature right in the head. And in the book, they describe it as a spark of white, and then this creature runs off because it doesn't penetrate. Its, its skull is so thick that even that forty-five couldn't penetrate the skull because of how thick the bone is. And uh, But when he sees it again later, the creature remembers because it's John you know, Whittlesey or Whitney. Um, he's got the, the skin still ripped where it's showing the skull, and he's when he comes after Pentagrass, boy, he comes after Pentagrass. But they set a trap for the creature that fails because they don't realize... This thing started out as a human, so its intelligence level is through the roof, <clears throat> and it realizes it's a trap. But they end up getting it down a hallway, and the Catho- or the Mbuin, the Cathoga, is chasing Pendergrass and Margot, who are at one end of this hallway, trapped. It's coming right at them. I mean, full force. And Pendergrass is trying to shoot it, uh, and Margot's telling him where to shoot to try and get through these bones. And then last instant, it's not it's not stopping it because they're trying to be yeah. like, we're going to take its legs out to slow it down. That's the only thing we can do because we cannot shoot through the chest cavity because it's so thick, can't through the skull because it's so thick, so we can't hit the brain or the heart. Last minute as this thing's come running, barreling down this hallway at him, uh, she tells him, shoot for the eyes because it's the only place in the head that he can get through to the brain. And he manages to pull up a shot and shoot him, shoot the creature right in the eye. And it bounces because of that thick skull all around and just brains comes flying out the eye socket because it just, that bullet just <laughs> rips through. I mean, it's a crazy death in the, you know, uh, in the book. But you didn't have the characters, so they had to change the way that, you know, he, he was killed in the movie. And they do a phenomenal job, you know, when she ends up jumping into the maceration tank as everything's blowing up. Um, it is awesome with him on fire the whole night. Like they ain't gonna slow him down because because it's not um, do a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's uh, the movie is great. I you know I'm gonna have to read the books. I'm just gonna have to read the books. The books are unreal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unreal. The movie is phenomenal. I mean, I love the movie. I love the characters, even the smaller characters, like McNitt and uh, or no, they changed his name. They got Bailey and uh, is it McNitt, the bigger white guy cop. They're great, the yeah. two cop buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're the ones who find the homeless guy. Then, yeah. 
you like know, downstairs they go downstairs yeah, into the yeah go downstairs yes, yes. together and they're always they're always yeah. talking about coffee like, yeah. you know, oh yes always, yes great great characters that they created that they did for the for the movie and they're even like you know when they're they're at the gala together and uh bailey the black officer has got the the you know Wee herman type bow tie but then mcnitt or mcnelly mcnelly's his name they changed it to mcnelly um uh, he's got these ruffles and he's like He's like, you're looking pretty dapper tonight. He's like, I don't know, man. Not many guys wearing these ruffles. And he's like, Nah, you look cool. <laughs> like, trying to play it off. Like they're they're really good characters. Everybody in the movie, and we don't have a. There's not a major A list of actors here. You know, I mean, Penelope Miller, she was in Carlito's Way. You know, the sequel to Scarface. Um, so that was a decent film. Um, I'm thinking she was in The Shadow. I ironically, played a character named Margot in The Shadow with. Um, Baldwin, a few years prior, right. so nothing super super huge. Sizemore had a pretty decent career. Actually, probably him and Whitmore were probably the biggest ones. I mean, Linda Hunt, people know she was in Dune. She's you know she was in the voice the character in Pocahontas. She was the tree lady or whatever. Um, she's done a few movies. Um, I didn't realize this, but uh, she's the narrator for the God of War series games. But people recognize her. You, well, you remember her from. What's yeah. NCIS uh, Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I mean, so she's a decently sized, good sized yes. actor. Um, Sizemore, of course, I've been a huge fan of him since uh, the Lockup days with Stallone. I loved his character in Lockup. Um, so definitely been a big fan of Sizemore for a long time. So I mean, not A list actors, but B list actors who do a phenomenal job. And Degusta carries the story. Sizemore carries this thing, keeps it moving. I mean, when he's on. I love every character, but when he's on screen, I'm I mean, I can't keep my eyes off of him. Like his his dialogue and the way he delivers everything, Sizemore just steals the show. He does a phenomenal job. And Himes did a great job. And I, and I don't know if he did it on purpose because I, one of the reasons I know reading the production of the movie that you do, you do actually don't see the creature because in the book you don't see the creature really, but I mean, he makes his presence known a lot more. Um, before where it happens in the movie, is they were they'd already started filming, but we're still working on the 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 suits. So a lot of the scenes in the beginning, they end up not having the creature available. So that's one of the reasons I've heard or read was the reason why you don't see it till later in the movie was because of the production issues with the suit and they had to get started filming. So I don't know if that's really what happened or if, or if Heim just really pulled out of Weirdly Scott's book with Alien and said no or Jaws. The less we see of it until the end, the better. Which right. definitely, right. I mean, it definitely worked in yeah, this movie so definitely well. Worked. Because I mean, like, I think they could have showed the creature off much earlier, and you'd have been like, "Whoa!" You know, I mean, because it's an amazing design and just a just a monstrous looking creature. But I think it really did help the film holding it off because it made the reveal that much more just wow. You know, what I mean, like, because I mean, you get small dark. I mean, you know, when he kills the, the, the security guard in the bathroom, you only see his arm come out from underneath the right, stall. Right, You know, and then you see him again later coming up from the tunnels, but you only see his side of it breathing. Then you see its shadow running up the tunnel right. staircase. You know, so you don't really, that's really it. That's yeah. the only actual glimpses you get for the first hour of the movie. Um, but its presence is extremely well known throughout. Like, they did a great job with the soundtrack and directing so, I mean, whether or not it was production issue or Himes' decision, they did a phenomenal job waiting until the reveal because when you finally see this thing in full light, it is just amazing. So amazing. 
and it's a brutal creature. I mean, like it eats the hypothalamus out of the brain of the human of, of us, and so it's got these two massive jaws, almost like spider jaws on the side that it uses to sever the head. I mean, it's got a big mouth with tons of teeth. Um, and if you look closely in the suit, it's kind of hard to see in the movie. If you go online and look a picture up of the figure, you can see it. But there's there's several shots in the movie that you can see. He's got the two massive side pincers that are what he uses to grab onto the neck and sever the head from the body. But there's something else he uses that actually cuts the spinal cord. There's another set of pincers underneath its bottom jaw that you can only see briefly a time or two in the film that are almost like smaller pincers that he uses to grab and cut the spinal cord. I never saw that. They're never in there. Like, yeah. So, I mean, they did an unreal job designing this creature. I mean, just truly unreal job. Um, now, of course, you know, one of the things, you know, they find out it's John Whitney in the book or in the movie. They actually never find out it's John Whitney in the book. They don't even know that it starts out as human in the book until the epilogue where one of the characters who didn't make it to the film, Greg Kawakita, one of the scientists that worked with Dr. Frock and Dr. Margot, um, he's who figures out that it's actually John Whitney or John Whittlesey in the book. So they, you know, they added that into the the rest of the film. Um, so there's a few things, you know, I mean, that's again differences in the book. The two boys at the beginning that um, see the homeless guy. You know, what I mean, they see something come up the stairs. Right. Um, <clears throat> they actually are the first victims in the book. They're actually brothers um, in the book, and they're the first wants to get killed by the creature. Um, now, in the book, the deaths are much more <laughs> violent. You know what I mean? So the moment that happens in the book, because it's pretty early on in the book that these kids get killed, you're like, you're instantly hooked. You're like, oh, whoa, because it doesn't happen. Um, so, I mean, just, uh, I love the book. The movie's just super, super great. Again, the special effects, I mean, Stan Winston. Even, even like, you know, there's, I'm obviously, I've talked about everything I love about this movie. Um my one complaint when we were talking about the, the, the CGI was almost the gecko scene. Like when he starts crawling up the walls to go after the SWAT team, I, I like all of it. But it's when the light shines down on the face that you really get a look. And it's like that moment, the CG doesn't hold up to me as well. But then all the other scenes where you see the CG, because it is darker, of course. Right. It looks still great. I, I love it. It's just that one little scene there. Yeah. Um, and not having Pendergrast, um, to me, was the other big... I mean, killing Dr. Frock kind of sucked, yeah. because, I mean, I read the books, you know. Dr. Frock's a cool character. Um, it won't spoil anything, but you're going to hate him in Reliquary if you guys read the books. Um, but, I mean, I love everything about the film. The soundtrack was awesome. Like, it was just spooky. You know, I mean, it, it instantly puts you on edge when you hear the music for it. Uh, they did a great job for this whole thing, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely loved every everything. I mean, I, start to finish, there's not many movies. Well, and that's one of those things where I'm kind of glad I didn't read the book because, you know, so many times you hear about, you know, the book is so much better than the movie, and right. it's understandable. Well, now I didn't read but, the book till after I watched the movie because right. I didn't read the well, book for the first yeah, time. You're, I mean, you're hyped up on the books, that whole series right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I just got yeah. uh, earlier tonight, uh, the third um, book in the series is called The Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, and I just picked it or downloaded it tonight. to get. And I can't wait to get that one started. Because, I mean, these characters, again, Pendergrass and Augusta, 
I mean, even though you don't have Pendergrass in the movie, they put a lot of his traits and, and things that he does in the book into the Augusta character. You can see why it's so good because you can't help but not love Tom Sizemore's character Augusta in the movie. He's great, and he's great in the book, and Pendergrass is great. So, I mean, I'm excited about the series. I mean, I'll, I'll end up reading them all. I have no doubts about it because I read the summaries for all the books, and holy cow, some of this stuff gets crazy that these two go through. Um, but, I mean, but even then, I mean, I did. I saw the movie before I read the book, but now I've read the book and its sequel, and I still love this movie. I mean, they changed a lot, but the movie is just so good for me. Now, I will disagree with you on it being the best horror movie of 97 though because there is one other monster movie that came out in 97 that to me I love this movie I love The Relic The Relic is I mean it probably is one of my, it is one of my all-time favorite horror films but another horror movie came out in 1997 that broke a major director out in the scene he had done a couple movies before this but 1997 also brought out Mimic from Guillermo del Toro. So if that that was that's hard for me because I mean to me Mimic is a better movie. I mean, you remember what I'm talking about with the yeah. bu- the bugs yeah. and yes. Yes. Uh, the Judas roaches or yes. whatever? Yes. So I mean if that didn't come out in 97, that'd be like, yes, Relic's the absolute best horror film in 97, no question. Uh, but that's t- that's t- that's tough. I and mean, we may have to ju- no. do to do yeah. Mimic on this because that's a phenomenal movie. That was I almost feel like we and now that I think about it cuz cuz the Mimic's not on the book but Del Toro has the two boy characters, the kids, that are in there, and they get killed in the movie. So I wonder if he didn't kind of pull that from the relic, be like, look, you guys are afraid to do this on screen. I ain't, you know. But the mimic was phenomenal. But then there was a couple of things, too, in the relic that was left out. You got the Blaisdells characters, which I don't know if you were watching it, because, I mean, I know, remember when I watched it, I'm like, wait, 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 what happened? You know, like, the, the Cathoga comes in, kills the cop or kills the security guy or the, the dude who's in charge of security at the, the museum. And uh, he hits uh, McNally and sh- shoots him through a glass thing. And the glass goes through his neck and kills him. And then he goes, you know, then all of a sudden like you see the Blaisdells and they kind of hunker back. But then he goes after Greg Lee. Well, then what happened to the Blaisdells? You ever wonder that? Like what happened to them? Did he kill them? Doesn't, doesn't he kill her in the tunnel? No, no, because the no. Blaisdells don't go down in the tunnel. Remember, they stay because oh, right. right. Mrs. Blaisdell yeah. can't yeah. walk yeah. down those t- the stairs. Well, I found out he did. There was an entire scene that was cut out. He ends up, before he goes after Greg Lee, chasing down the Blaisdells through those office hallways uh-huh. where Margot goes running through, closing the doors, and he chases down, kills them in the hallways, and I guess rips them to shreds. Well, when it comes to the end of the movie... And she's running down the hallway. She actually originally fell over the Blaisdell's bodies and sees them just ripped to shreds um, and screams and gets up and takes off running again. Well, they felt that that scene when they had shot it was too dark, so they took it out. So everyone's always like, did the Blaisdells survive? Did they not survive? No, they technically didn't survive when you watch the film. So when you see that scene, because it made Sledge go, wait, what happened to those guys? They died. You just, you, you know, they cut that Got out. Got you there. So. Didn't think about that. No, so, so I mean, super good movie. Ruben, of course, and I told, I said I would put his two cents in on this one. Ruben loved this movie as well. Ruben was a big fan of this one. Um, Ruben actually stated because you know, I said, "Hey, man, what do you want to make sure to state?" He said, "There's not much he did not like about this movie. He thought it was an awesome story. He said the special effects were definitely above average for the time. He liked the suspense, especially in the basement scenes." 
Um, and they said the creature design is one of the best from that area era of film, period. So, I mean, of course, you know, Ruben's a big Stan Winston fan yes. like the rest of us. So he loved it. And he's actually fixing to get started on the book once he gets to feeling better, too. Um, so, I mean, it's super good, man. I mean, if you guys have not seen it, you've got to see it. It is super fun. It didn't get the best ratings from some people because it's very kind of half and half with it. But if you go, I think it was uh, Siskel and Ebert were talking, did a review when it came out. And they were like, this is just an absolutely fun movie. They gave it like a three or four out of five. So, I mean, they loved the film. They had a blast with it. And um, it's super, super, super great. Watch the movie before you read the book. Definitely. But it's it was top notch, man. I mean, it's I've watched it, I don't know how Very many good. times. I loved it. So, so good. Better than Mimic. I don't know, no man. There's just no way. You know that right now. <laughs> not, yeah. not, that may be a debate when we get when we do the mimic, because man, like that mimic's huge for me though, because it introduced me to Del Toro. Now he had done the Devil's Backbone before Mimic. Of course, that's a Spanish film, but Mimic was his first American Hollywood movie. And I mean, when you look at his repertoire, it, there's not a lot of movies that he's. There ain't a single movie that he's done. I think about it, that's not better than the Relic. Like I love the Relic, but to me, I mean, you know, Mimic. Um, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, the Hellboy films, like Del Toro is a master filmmaker. Um, but Mimic, dude, that was none of the sequels. The sequels were terrible. I don't know if anybody saw the Mimic <laughs> the sequel. Those were garbage. Um, but that first Mimic movie, dude, was that was a good one. That was really, really good. Um, so anything else you got on this one? Nope. Uh, got a definite thumbs up on this one. Very good. Huge thumbs up. This one actually all across the board. It got a four and a half stomps out of five from all of us. Wow. So that's a first for us, right there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's pretty. I think only two films have gotten five stars yeah. from us, and that's yeah. or five stomps, and that's Godzilla and the first Kong. Right. Um, yes. This is the number three. This is the next highest ranking yes. we've given of any film. So I mean, we're telling you, this is a blast of a movie yeah. to watch. You'll you're going to love it. So you gotta um, watch it. Gotta watch as long it. as you can handle dogs being killed. I will forward you that because Ruben, that made Ruben mad. He messaged me when he was watching it. It's like, why don't they leave the dogs alone, you know? Um, but, I mean, I tried to tell him, I said, hey, man, at least they only kill one because in the book, both dogs get killed. Um, but uh, in the and, you know, one dog gets ripped to shreds. The other one doesn't in the movie, um, which made another great scene. You know, like when he goes and kills the cop, the cop goes, you know, they, the, the, the Cthulhu there in the tunnels kills one of the dogs, kills Castor, and there's Castor and Pollux. Right. And he kills Castor, throws the body down the tunnel back at the at Augusta and and the officers. Well, the the guy who's owns the dogs goes running after Pollux, you know, to to, to get him because to kill the other one. So when he finally reaches up to him, and he's like, "What's wrong? You know, come on, boy, come on, boy." And the dog is just kind of hunkered down, and there's a little bit of light, and then all of a sudden the Cthulhu comes out of nowhere, and just kills him off screen. But then you got the light that's on the dog from the flashlight, and you see just the silhouette of its mouth and its jaws, and just drool. And I'm like, dude, like this. <laughs> like even then, you know, at that point in the movie, you still haven't even seen this thing, right. you know, in full right. full view, and it's just intimidating, man. Definitely. I mean, when I think of when I think of monster movies, uh, horror movies specifically, not so much like oh Godzilla or something like that. I'm like like you know, Chud, Pumpkinhead relic the thing i mean the kathoga design i mean it's it's probably my favorite creature design of anything like i just love i've been after there's a company that makes a model kit of it 
and I just haven't bitten the bullet because I cannot find it for under 150 bucks. Wow, wow. Not even painted. Like, you got to paint this thing, too. You know what I mean? Like, so to get the Cathoga one, like, I'm like, man, I would love to have that in the collection, you know? It'd probably scare Gavin and Colton like none other, so I'm like, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should wait till they get a little older, but, uh, but I, I mean, it's one of my favorite monsters, man. And we did four and a half stomps out of five. Yes, yes. Um, Very worth good. the watch, guys. I mean, if you have not seen it, Definitely pick it up or watch it online. It is such a such a good film. Uh, every actor does top notch. Peter Himes did a great job directing this film. The soundtrack's amazing. The creature is freaking phenomenal. Um, super super good movie. Um, even the character you hate, Greg Lee, like you love him, yeah. but you hate. You got him. to. You got yeah. to. And so when he dies, it's great. <laughs> it's <is> such a, <laughs> such a good death scene. Um, so, anyways, but. Uh, yeah, so that's the relic, and uh, coming up soon. Well, the next episode, first episode of next month, um, we're back, uh, father and son duo tackling the next Godzilla film in the Heisei series, with the 1992 film Godzilla versus Mothra. Yes, also known as Godzilla and Mothra Battle for Earth, which I don't quite understand that title when you watch the movie, <laughs> but uh, good movie because, of course, we see the return of the second show era monster. We had Ghidra coming back for the last film. We got Mothra coming back from this one, but we also have a new ca- new monster called Batra which is a big fan favorite. He's pretty much the dark Mothra. Um, super, super great monster. Actually, the guy who played Batra in the larval form, which I actually like more than the, the actual adult version, um, was the same guy who played Ghidra in God vs. King Ghidorah. Oh, gotcha. Um, so really cool. This was, you know, I think an uptick. Well, yeah, it's definitely an uptick from King Ghidorah for me, so excited about that one. And then next month, we also decided to do another... Well, obviously, I was doing another one, but we wanted you guys to pick, and we didn't hear from Ruben, so Mark picked a great film, 2010 movie from Norwegian, Norway, that's the name of the country. (laughs) Norwegian? Norwegian? Yeah, so (laughs) I I did good in in high school, I promise. Um, But uh, so it's a a film from Norway. It's actually from Andrew Overhaul. He's the guy who just did... Um, scary stories to tell in the dark with Guillermo del Toro. Man, I'm telling you what, we could probably do like you remember the Kevin Bacon game? Yes. Okay, we could probably do that with Del Toro. Like I'm sure there's yeah. some way, you know, John Travolta do it in five, you know, five movies to get to Del Toro. There's got to be a way to do that. But he just did uh, scary stories to tell in the dark with with Del Toro. Did a great job in it. Um, he did um, the autopsy of Jane Doe, which was super super good. But in 2010, his first movie was a movie called Troll Hunter uh, that you yes. picked. And that is an awesome movie. Yes. So stoked. That one's going to be really, really fun. So Now, I wonder if Pete has seen Troll Hunter. I don't yeah. know. We need to ask him. Yeah, we need to find out. So I need, Yeah, because yeah. I bet Pete would like that one. He would. Me he and would. Pete were talking today, and uh, I love Pete, man. Pete's like one of my yeah. favorite people like, on earth. I love Pete. And uh, I was coming across, I was trying to find, like, I'm always on the hunt for, like, a monster movie, especially from the 80s or 90s that I haven't seen and it's getting very difficult. So I'm usually like, Oh, you know, I want to, maybe Pete knows something, you know, well, I was looking to uh, trying to find a list of like 10 most unseen horror films. Like there was even one like bloody disgusting, like 10 horror films or monster movies. You may never have never seen. I've seen them all. Um, but I found one from 1990 that actually had Roddy McDowell in it. Um, and had, what's her name? Uh, she was the blonde chick that gets killed in nightmare on Elm street. Uh, um, Wow, Amanda, it's Amanda something, but anyway, she's in it. But it's called Shockma, and it's about uh pretty much like a 
over aggressive man eating baboon. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. And Pete, I, was like, I told Pete, and I was like, he's like, dude, you had me at killer baboon. And I was like, <laughs> he said something. He's like, I'm not going to be able to keep it together because I'm praying there's a scene where he jumps on somebody to kill somebody, and the camera angle, all you see is just a big red butt. <laughs> I was like, yes, exactly. So I, I ended up finding it. I'm about to watch that one soon. Uh, so great. I love, man, That's getting old Pete, because I wonder if he's seen this one. Because uh, I'm sure he would enjoy this one. Yes. Super definitely. good. It's actually about a um, uh, a group of documentary, a documentary crew that's actually going looking for um, a, a string of killings that they think is related to a bear. And they're trying to do a documentary on this on because bear hunting's illegal or something like that. I can't remember. Um, in that area of the country, what they stumble on, uh, what they think is a bear hunter, is not. He's a troll hunter, and he's been part of an organization that's been keeping trolls in check for centuries because trolls are real, but we just don't know it. And so they go through documentary style and follow him as he hunts these trolls. And it all culminates to this massive, the Jotnar, that's what it's called, <laughs> this massive troll at the end that's almost got like a form of rabies. Unbelievable movie, dude. Like, I know a lot of people that's watched it that don't watch foreign films. Um, Sean from uh, Indiana. Um, O'Neill? Uh, no. Um, Which Sean? Bigger Sean from B-Dubs. Uh, Passmore. Yes, yes, Sean Passmore. Yeah. Um, he watched it, and I know he's a huge fan of this movie, yeah. and it's like he doesn't seem like a guy that would watch these type of movies. That one's going to be super fun. Like, I'm super yes. stoked to do Troll Hunter. Um, so we got two really good movies next month for you. Uh, God's Horses Mothra 92 is a great film. Uh, they do manage to capture kind of the almost a little bit of the love and life from the 64 film for this one. And then, of course, Andrew. You'll find out why Andrew does a great job with horror with Troll Hunter because it's absolutely stellar. Very good. Very good. All right, well, guys, thank you again so much. This is Sludge. And Mark. And Ruben from Texas, we love you. Yes. Y'all have a good night. Get well. Oh.